had a, we had a great time over Thanksgiving. It was just it was fun just to be with family again and just sort of to hang out with everybody. Uh, but today we are continuing our study in the book of James, and we have made it to James chapter four. So if you'd like to, you can take your Bible and you can turn there. We're going to look in verses 13 through 17, and one thing that you'll notice is that our, our focus today is going to be on the subject of time, and uh, time is something that I think a lot of us think that, that we have a lot of, that we can, we can use it at our disposal anytime that we want to, but what we're going to be looking at today in our passage of Scripture is James is going to be sharing with us that time is not a limitless commodity that we have at our disposal. I heard a story about a doctor that had a patient that was coming in, and the doctor was going to be sharing the test results with him. And so when the patient came in, the doctor just said, listen, I'm going to be real honest with you. He said, I have some good news and I have bad news. Now, which one do you want to hear first? And uh, the patient looked at him and he said, well, go ahead and just give me the good news first so I have something to look forward to. And the doctor said, you've only got 24 hours to live. Well, the patient looked, he's like, that's the good news? He said, then what in the world could the bad news be? And he said, well, the bad news is I was supposed to tell you that yesterday. Now, now time is something, ha, 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 time is something that not everybody has a lot of. And we tend to think that we, that we do. Uh, very few of us live our lives like, like we have uh, like we have a limited amount of time. We live life like, you know, we think that we've got all of it, all of it left in the world. And I think some of us see time like it's money that we can put in the bank, you know, and that you can withdraw from it any time that you want to because it's limitless, because you always have time. But James shares with us today that time is not limitless. He shares with us today that there's some very important things that we need to know about time that can help us be able to make better decisions in life. And so that's why we're continuing our series, Faith for Dummies, just pointing out some practical applications that we can look into that will really change and radically make us different people in life. Now, there are some of you who are good with time. Uh, some of you are great planners. I mean, I know some of you, and you've got, you know, you've got your smartphone and you know, you can tell me, hey, this is what I'm doing at 6.30 p.m. Wednesday, three months from now. And so I look at people like y'all, and that makes me sick, and I'm like, well, congratulations. And so they, can, they have their calendars all filled up, and then, then there are other people who like to share with me and tell me, hey, this is how we're going to be able to pay for our children's college education. You know, we've already got it all worked out. Then I'm like, well, how old's your kid? Well, he's six months old. And I'm thinking, well, I hope that plan falls through just because I think you're being arrogant. But anyway, there's some of you guys are really good with your time. But just because you make plans, it doesn't necessarily mean that your plans are going to work out like you think they will. And that's really sort of what James is talking about in James chapter 4, verse number 13. He lets us know that life, many times, is a whole lot different than we think that it's going to be. There's a lot of times whenever life will not follow the script that you've written for it. And so today what I want us to do is just say, hey, let's just see what James wants to teach us about time. Now, as a little background here, uh, James is the one, of course, who wrote this letter. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And so James spent his life growing up, you know, with, with the Savior. 
Now, what's interesting about that is James did not believe in Jesus while Jesus was living on this earth. He did not have, he didn't believe in who Jesus said that he was. As a matter of fact, we're told in John, or John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, Jesus' brother said to him, you ought to leave here, you know, leave home and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles that you do. He said, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. And since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. And at the end it says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Well, when did all that change for James? Well, the resurrection happened. And you know, whenever you see a dead guy come to life, I mean, you're like, well, there's something different there. And so James's whole view about Jesus changed. And then we see James is mentioning some lessons we need to know about time here. And I think he does this because I really believe James saw time as being valuable. I mean, he knew that in his own life that he had spent time with Jesus, and yet he didn't take advantage of that time. And so he missed out on great opportunities, and he didn't want anybody else to do that. And so he said, listen, if you're going to use your time well, there's some things or some lessons that you need to know about time. Now, now what do we need to know about time? And I just want to point out a few things that I believe we can glean from our scripture today about time. And the very first thing that, that James lets us know that we need to know about time is this. It starts off with, he says, hey, time is not guaranteed. Time is not something that is guaranteed for you or for me. Uh, verse number 13, we can kind of dig into this a little bit. James wrote, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Now we'll see what he means here in just a minute, but he's letting us know that, that time is not guaranteed. Uh, clocks, old clocks, and some of you might have one, on the face it talks about how time is, is, is something that is passing. Uh, on the top, there's a Latin phrase on many clocks. It says, tempus fugit. And if you've seen that before, you know, in, in Latin, that just simply means time is fleeting or time flees. And I think many of us, we, we already know that. I mean, we know that it, it seems like that the older we get, you know, life goes a little bit quicker. It's sort of like that, you know, the hourglass. You know, if you take the hourglass and you turn it over, uh, it, it looks like it's going really slow at first. But then as the sand gets lower and lower, it, it seems like to me the sand is pouring out. You're like, slow down. It's not going any faster. It's just, it's just consistent. And that's what time is like. Time is constantly moving. And it does. It's, it seems like it moves quickly. I had a buddy of mine call me just a couple of weeks ago, and it was, it, it was struck me as humorous. He called me up, and we went to high school together, and so he said, hey, do you remember such and such a person? I was like, yeah, saw him at the football game. Man, you wouldn't believe how old they look. Now, he told me that, and I started laughing because the guy who was telling me this, he doesn't have a stitch of hair on his head. And, I, and he looks totally different, so I just laugh. But, you know, so many times we, we look at others, we think, man, time's really going by fast for them. It's going by fast for you, too. And if you have children, man, it's, you're just like, what happened to the time? You know, it just seems like, you know, yesterday that we had three little kids, and then all of a sudden, you know, my children are getting bigger than I am. And so I'm sitting here looking at life, and I think, you know, what, what happened? 
why is time going by so quickly? Well, it's one thing that James is sharing with us today. James is letting us know that there are many of us, we, we look around, we see that time is going by quickly, and yet we live as if we are guaranteed all the time in the world. And he gives an example of this in our text today. And if you look with me in verse number 13, in verse number 13, he's talking about people who do this. He said, there are some of you who are planning on going into business. You're making plans for the future. He said, you're, you're planning on traveling to a new location, setting up shop for a year, and then making a profit. Now, this was not an unusual story during this time. You remember the, the Jewish Christians, they were undergoing persecution. So what happened to them? They, they had to move. And so many of them, they were constantly on the move. They had to move from city to city to avoid being persecuted. And what they do is they'd set up shop. They'd, they'd start new businesses. They would make a profit. And then their goal was, we've got to go somewhere else. So this was not an unusual thing that, that was happening here. But what's unusual, what James is pointing out, is as these people were living, that they're living as if, as if their, their time is guaranteed. And they're making plans without any direction from God. Again, if you look at verse number 13, they, they said, well, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to live our lives. They, they chose the time that they were going to go. They said, we're going to do this, you know, today or tomorrow. They didn't see God's timing. They chose the location. They said, we're going to go to such and such a city. It's what we're going to do. And I look at that, and I said, I don't see God anywhere there. They, they chose the time frame. We're going to spend a year here. They set the goal. We're going to make a profit. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with planning and doing all these things, but they never took time to consider God. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, so much of our happiness is dependent upon the plans that we make without ever consulting God. And so we make all these plans, and plans can be good, but here's the deal about plans, about our plans without the leadership of God. There is stuff that happens in life that can absolutely mess up our plans. Have you, have you ever had that happen to you? Where you plan for something? It could have been this Thanksgiving. You know, you might have made all these plans, have a great time with family, and then family can come in, and, and you know, there can be little petty fights and arguments, and, and things just didn't quite pan out the way that you thought they would. Another example of this is there was... Yeah, you know, y'all don't, don't start oohing and on yet. There was a football game on yesterday that was really interesting. The Furman Paladins. No, I'm kidding, not that game. There was a game on, the, did any of y'all watch the Alabama-Auburn game yesterday? Was that, was that, <laughs> okay, there's going to be like a fight in a minute. Yeah, there was a, because we got, we got Auburn-Alabama fans, but there's just the strangest game. Now, here's it with plans. Here's, I believe that Nick Saban, had made plans for that game. Whenever he sent that field goal kicker out there, I'm sure his plan was that he was going to make the kick or they were going to miss it and go into overtime. Okay, that just seems like a pretty logical thing to me. That's the plan that he made. But something bizarre happened. God showed up, right? I mean, you're like, what is this all about? Uh, something strange happened. The plans that he made were absolutely, according to him, just totally screwed up. There was outside events that happened that changed everything that he planned for. Now, I believe that many of us experience the same thing in life. We make all these different plans. We have all these different scenarios set up for life, but then life happens. 
and things become totally different than what we thought. There are some of us who believe if I, if I just sacrifice for this, if I sacrifice time to, to, to get more money, if I sacrifice this relationship, then I can, I can move quickly in this area of my life and become much more successful. And we think if we do those things, that it's going to bring fulfillment into our lives. That's going to bring us satisfaction. But here's the deal with our plans. Our plans have a short shelf life when God's not involved in them. When God's not involved in the leadership of our lives, our plans have a very short shelf life. You know, to me, one of the first things I thought of with that is, is like milk. You know, milk's a great thing. You take it out of the refrigerator, you know, you pour it on your cereal, you can eat it, the milk tastes great. But if you leave that milk out for an extended period of time, now you can use it for a while, but we all know it has a short shelf life, right? You ever had curdled milk? Mmm, that's real good. Now if, if you, but now, if you're going to save the milk, what do you have to do? You put it back in the refrigerator. Now, guys, our, our plans are very similar to that. Our plans have a very short shelf life. But if we want our, want our plans to last, if we want to see our plans have value, we have to put them back in the refrigerator. You know, we have to put them into God's hands and say, God, I want you to have charge of my plans. But if you decide that you're going to have charge of your own plans, guys, they're empty. And they don't last long. I love what Proverbs 19.21 says. It says, many plans are in a man's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. There's some things to know about time. Time's not, it's not guaranteed. But there's something else to know about time. It's, it's brief. Time is very brief. Uh, if you look in verse number 14, he points out how brief time is. He says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are a bit of smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Now, in the story, this, these businessmen, they were making plans, saying, this is what we're going to do for a year. And they're making plans when they had no idea what tomorrow held. This is what we're going to do for a year. You, I mean, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. We're told again in Proverbs 27.1, don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. Reminds me of the story that Jesus told of the parable he told in Luke chapter 12. You remember about the, the rich man who had, had a, a bumper crop in grain? And he said, man, my barns can't even hold all this, so I'm going I'm to tear down those barns, build new barns. I'm going you know, to cram all my grain in there. And I'm going to kick back and relax and enjoy life. Okay, that, that's good. Good for you that you had a bumper crop. Now, the problem was that, wasn't that he was successful. The problem was he was making plans without the direction of God. And in that parable, Jesus said, the Lord told him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. Life is brief. Verse 14 points out how brief it is. It tells us it's like, it's like smoke that appears for a little while and it vanishes. Other versions of the Bible say that your life is like the morning fog. You know, you go outside, you see the morning fog. It could be like pea soup out there. You think, man, I can't see. What, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the sun to show up. When the sun shows up, what happens to the fog? It dissipates. It goes away. And there's no trace of it left behind. Okay, now that's, that's great if you're driving. But James is saying that is what your life is like. Your life is like the morning fog. And, you know, I think there's some of us, and we, we look at our lives, and we think, I am going to live forever. Now, I know I'm not, you know, like in my head, but I think in my heart, I think, you know, I'm always, I'm always going to be around. James says, not so fast, my friend. 
Your life is like fog. And very quickly it will be gone. And there won't even be a trace of it left behind. That's, that's an encouraging thought, isn't it? You know, you're here and you're gone. The Bible speaks about the brevity of life over and over again. In Psalm 90.10, Moses said, Our lives last 70 years or so, and if we're strong, 80. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Job 14, 1 and 2 is another real encouragement here. It says, man born of a woman is short of days and full of trouble. He blossoms like a flower, like a flower, then withers. He flees like a shadow and does not last. Okay. You know, with that in mind, that should probably change the way that many of us look and view life. You know, just sort of to change our outlook on life. Instead of us looking to say, what can I get out of this life? You know, how can I spend my life and enjoy it to the fullest? I really think that the question needs to be, how can I invest my life so that what I am investing my life in has lasting value? You see, if we invest our lives in just us, like I said, we have a short shelf life. Invest in just you, guys, I promise you, it's empty. It's bankrupt. This is what Romans 8, 5 through 6 says. It says, those who live according to the flesh, according to yourselves, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, if I live for me, what does that lead me to? It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, is life and peace. It comes down to two things. Are you going to live for you? You live for God. Live for you, there's some good things about that. I mean, there's instant gratification. I get to satisfy myself now. I get to do what I want, but it ends. And it doesn't last. And it carries with it a price tag that is too big for us to be able to pay. Uh, man, I, I, you know, the, the current economic crisis that we've been in, I mean, you can go back to the, you know, the housing market. Y'all, when, with the housing market bubble, y'all remember, y'all remember all that stuff? Gosh, banks were giving out loans that were humongous. You know, Emily and I went out, a $6 million house. Oh, you can afford it. You know, I mean, it's like, great. You know, and so, so many people would go out, and they'd, they'd look at stuff, and they'd say, well, I can't really afford it, but, man, I can get it now. That was so attractive. And then, you know, the, I'm, the government, I'm sure they're enjoying the tax revenues. Real estate people enjoying, you know, making money. I mean, it's a great thing, right? I mean, it's all good. But so much of it, and it was driven by us having instant gratification, and then the house of cards came crashing down, and now you know, everybody's blaming everybody else. Well, what's going on? We were investing in now. We were investing in instant gratification. And then there came a time when you had to pay the piper. So what should we invest in? Things that pay back. Things that overcome the brevity of life. And there is only one who has power over time. And that's Jesus. Let me share with you that just the, the power of Jesus. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross where the things on earth are things in heaven. Guys, time is short. Life is short. And I'm not saying anything bad about this, so y'all bear with me. 
I, there's a lot of a lot of y'all that are involved in CrossFit. I mean, James is involved in CrossFit. I mean, he's, he's I mean, it's a, James. It's been a great thing for James. It's been neat watching how, how much stronger he is. Y'all ever see his post <laughs> about his his wads? Yeah, if y'all if y'all are in the CrossFit crowd, you know what a wad is. I love James's sticker on the back of his car. It says "Wad Killer." Okay, like I'm like I don't even know what that means. But listen to this: as great as that program is, I don't care how many wads you can do in a day. I don't care how many years it's been since you put a carb in your body. Time's going to catch up with you. Life is brief. Therefore, invest yourself in that which is lasting. James says, you need, there's some lessons you need to learn about time. He says, uh, you need to know time is not guaranteed. It's brief. And this is the last one. He says it can't be controlled. You can't control time. Uh, look with me in verse 15. We'll, we'll finish up with these verses. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will, live and, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So for the person who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is a sin. Now, in verse number 15, he starts off by saying, you know, if it's, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, this is an acknowledgment of a person saying, I, I don't have control. You know, if the Lord wills it, then I'll do it. It's an acknowledgment that, that time is outside of our control. Now, if you don't believe me, all you have to do is go watch a, a clock with a second hand, and you can't stop that second hand from moving, right? It just keeps on going. And, and you can, you know, you can try to stop it. I mean, whenever I was younger, I wanted that clock to go faster because I wanted to get out of school. I didn't want to be there anymore. As I've gotten older, I wanted to slow down. You know, I mean, I want, I, want to, I, want, I want things to last a little bit longer. I want a little bit longer with those, those good times that we have. But regardless, time just keeps moving. And we try to do some things, you know, to arrest the passage of time. You know, I know that say, we, we, we work out, we try to eat right, and those things are good things. The time... It just keeps on going. Now, we have to be careful. We have to make, be careful that those things don't become our God. Because, guys, if, if it doesn't matter what you do. Eventually, time catches up with us. That's why James said, if you look in verse 16, he said, don't become arrogant and boast. Don't become arrogant and boast about, you know, how you're defying time. He said, he said that when you put those two words together, it is the picture of a salesman going out and selling a product that doesn't live up to its billing. We see this all the time. Uh, we see this in work. You know, if I if I work hard, if I if I go after these things, and I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get a, a great payback, and if I get that money, then my life's going to be it's going to be great. I will have no more problems. You know, if I if I live for self, and I and I do things to please myself, if I do things to satisfy satisfy myself physically, then I will be fulfilled. It's not true. You look, look back in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a guy named Solomon. And he said, I, I see what the world offers, and I'm going to go after everything that the world gives. I'm going to go after intellectual knowledge. I'm going to go after sexual pleasure. I'm going to go after more money. He went after all those things. You know what he said at the end? He said it's a chasing after the wind. In other words, it, it, it's like trying to grab the wind. He was going after all these things that bring him joy, and he said, I could never quite get my hands around it. He's letting us know, you know what, you don't control anything. Well, who does? 
Then you go back to verse number 15. He said, instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. God is the one who has charge over all things. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, after he had risen from the dead, he said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. I have power over all things. Now, if that's the case, then I want to put myself under the leadership of the one who controls all things, as opposed to me just trying to make everything work by myself. Because if I, if I do that, guys, I'm gonna, my life is going to be lived out of control. You know, there is great comfort that comes with having or being under control. I do not enjoy being out of control. I like it whenever I'm under control. It gives me confidence. Let me try to give an example. A few weeks ago, I, I, was, I had gone down to Charleston to see my, my oldest son, and I was with, my, with Glenn, and we were coming back. It was pouring rain driving back. We're on I-26. What is the deal with I-26? Why is every trucker in the world on I-26? scares me to death. So I'm driving back. It's pouring rain. All these trucks are there. I'm in this little tiny car. And what I did not know is that the tread on my tires on the inside, it was gone. And so I was like, man, I have no control over my car. I mean, I'm just driving along, and as I'm sliding everywhere, it was the most tense drive back I've ever had. I mean, I am gripping the steering wheel, sitting there saying, Jesus, you know, let heaven be real, because I'm getting ready to come. You know, so we'd pass by, we'd go around a corner, and I didn't know if the car was going to be able to stay on the road or not. And I mean, I was going slow. Well, when I got back home, one of the first things I did is I went out and I got some new tires. I got those new tires, and it changed everything. Those new tires have grip. And so, so it makes a difference. You know, that really does. I mean, so now, I mean, it's great because now I can, I can really take those corners hard and know that I'm not going to slide off the road. But because those are new tires, because they have grip, I drive with confidence. You know, whenever it's right, I, I don't worry about it. I'm like, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to be able to stay on the road. It's a much more relaxing ride. I'm able to enjoy the scenery, you know, if I ever did that. But I'm able to relax because I'm, I know the tires are going, to, are going to help me hold up on the road. Now, guys, in a very similar sense, that's exactly the way it is with Jesus in time. Now, there's a lot of us, and we are going through life. And we are trying to be in control of everything. And if you're like that, that is like you driving with bald tires in the middle of a rainstorm. And you don't have control. And it will wear your tail out with you trying to be in charge of everything. With you trying to make things happen like you want them to happen. Now, if you want to relax and have peace, then you turn to the one who has charge of time. It's like getting a brand new set of tires. And as the storms of life come your way, one thing that you can discover is as bad as those storms are and is that they're not any fun, you can have grip in this life and be able to relax knowing it's not up to you, but it's up to the God that we trust in. Now this life, it's, it's got a lot of scary things about it. Some of the scary things James mentions today, he talks about time, he says it's not guaranteed, it's brief, and you can't control it. But when you trust in Jesus, you put it in his hands. And you don't have to worry about it anymore. And I think there's a lot of us who are, who are tired. 
I think there's a lot of people who are worn out because we try to stay on top of everything. We try to make things happen according to our plans, and then these unexpected events come out of the blue and just absolutely hammer us. And we don't know what to do. But here's the good news. This is what Jesus said. He said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There are some of us who need rest today. Some of us who need to turn our time over to Jesus. And say, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't understand why some things have happened. But God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust that you are true to your word. 